Okay. Good morning. So today we'll um, continue what we call Seder Ishtalshlus Svidus Part Malchus Part Two. So this is in the series we've been going through all the Svidus, starting from Keser all the way downward. And now the last and the lowest of the spheres, it's called Sphira Achreina, is Malchus. So last week, I, uh, in the last class, I summed up what exactly Malchus is in Midas Adam, being that we do call the seven Midas seven Midas. So they're not just seven attributes, but they're actually Midas, both Midas Adam and Midas Alienus, which means both um, human emotions which evolve from the from the divine emotions. So what exactly is the emotional characteristic called Malchus? So we talked about Remamus, a sense of dignity, is the way I translate it, dignity. That among all the emotions we have, if you don't have a sense of importance and self-confidence which obviously comes from the Tzalem Elikim that we were created in the divine image then all the emotions as we see psychologically a person that has all the qualities you see people are very talented smart have good emotional personality chesed, buddha, whatever the strengths may be but they're lacking a sense of, of malchus dekait that they feel like Melachim Heim or Bnei Melachim Heim, Mamleches Kainim Begei Kaddish. So they won't have the, the, the willpower and the, and the self-confidence and self-esteem necessary to be able to function properly. I can tell you from real experience in life, dealing with people who have a lot of milas, a lot of qualities and virtues, but if they don't feel good about themselves, they don't feel comfortable in their own skin, you'll always have problems. And when you point out to them, but you have this mile, this quality, so they'll always find an excuse, blame somebody else. And if you're not uh, trained enough, you can, someone smart can give you all kinds of smoke screens and excuses for why something's not working. But what at the heart of it is that they're not ready to acknowledge or they're not even aware themselves that they're simply insecure. You know, ask somebody, you feel insecure? Most people don't like to say, I'm insecure. Because it's a very, uh, it's very self-defeating and very negative. If you're already ready to say it, you're already halfway there. And I'm translating in real practical terminology that all of us can relate to because that's a big point of this whole discussion and the series in the first place is not just to talk about these madregas and say there's Taosus and how God uses them to create existence. But remember, as I said all the time, say all the time, the Abishah doesn't need any of this to create existence. Call Yachal, he can do whatever he wants. He wants a world, he creates a world. But he wanted it to be made set, make sense in a way that the Seichel, like that he created us with, and make sense in a way that we can understand it, understand both the Abishah's way of working, his methods, is basically drachov, alachta bedrachov, to understand the ways of God, so to speak, Hashem, 
And also for Ayurveda to know how to work on these things because at the end of the day, it's all about Ayurveda Sodom. That you work with your Midas, whether it's Chesed, Gura, Teferis, Amahu Chanun, Afata Chanun. Just as God is compassionate, we're compassionate, Mahu Rachum, etc. So the same thing with our Malchus, we're essentially emulating God's Malchus. Now God, we know, is so secure. You can't call God really insecure. He has nothing to be insecure about. He has everything that he needs. And more than that, he's beyond the whole concept. But the Ebesht also wanted to impart to us that it's very easy to live in a world like ours and become insecure. Why? Because there's uh, the concept of called the Alam Gvar, people in power intimidate and try to belittle and step on others. There are people who are aggressive, people who are very critical and judgmental. And to be very frank, a child that grows up in a home or in a community or in a school, where they're being constantly criticized and judged, what do you think will create, will happen? The child will lose their self-confidence. And this is what you deal with. A lot of adults who are trying to find some uh, self-esteem because it was beaten out of them. Not because Be'etzim, they don't have it. We're all born with Malchus. It's part of the Midas Adam. It's not something you have to acquire. You're born with it, just like you're born with Chachma Bin Adas. These are all Keiches HaNefesh. The Alter Rebbe makes it very clear in time, Keiches HaNefesh is not an acquisition. Chinuch, you go into yeshiva, or you go at home, you're taught something. You're taught knowledge. Even though the truth is, in the mother's womb, we're taught Lamdin Kolatera Kula. So we have the Kolatera within us, but it's, you can call it in the superconscious, we're not conscious of it. But Keiches HaNefesh is like you're born with eyes and ears. You don't have to, no one gives that to you. That's part of your uh, gift, your birthright. So Malchus is part of who we are. In the words of the Teda, I said, Mamlechas Kayanim, or Malachim Haim, B'nai Malachim Haim, different expressions that we use. So we have it, but it could be, but it could be concealed, like anything. You could be a Balchas, a very kind person, but for whatever reason, maybe you're around stingy people, or maybe you decided that giving is not such a good thing, so you may go against your own nature. So the same thing with Malchus. So in many ways, to put it in, in applicable terms, which is a key element in all of this, is how do you bring the Malchus out of a person? That's the real question, the Remus. And that is by treating them with respect, by treating them with, um, with love and kindness. You know, you hear time and again, what do you hear one of the things that people speak about when they saw the Rebbe or they met the Rebbe by dollars, by Yechidus? The Rebbe looked at me like if, as if nobody else was there, caring about me. It's not like, oh, there's another thousand people online, and let's move on. That there's a value to you as an individual. And how many times did the Rebbe say this? You know, say the, uh, the, one of the youth-based psukim, it's called Yisrael, Yeshlem Chelek Le'elam Haba, but how does it begin? Ba'amach kulim sadikim. Ma'isi yodeh li'ispoir. Abish says, my you are my handiwork, my creation, I'm proud of you. So it's, you could say it as lip service and just say the words, or you could take it to heart. And you say in the morning, and we say the word melech. What you're essentially saying, that you, Hashem, without using the name of Hashem, melech, have given, returned my neshama to me. That means I'm valuable enough 
that you have renewed my contract, to, to, that you give me another day. And then a few uh, lines later, we say, what do we say? Why do we have to say all this? Think about it. What does it mean in Aveda? It means that you are Teheda. I, you may have Chota, and a language of Chassidus, Teheda is the level of, of Atzilus, sometimes Malchus Atzilus, Tehira, Tehira, and then it comes through Bria, Yitzira, Barosa, Yitzata, all the way down below. But the point of it all is it's an affirmation of your Malchus Dekait. So when you think of it that way, every time you say the word Melech, <coughs> even on Bada Ebershtip, you're really saying that God is our Melech, but he's also imparting to us that Malchus. So we have an element of, as well, of, of it as well. So I, I, this was discussed last week. I'm giving a little more details now, making it even more applicable. But I could tell you that from all the Sfidas, this is the hardest one to work on, and is the most important one. Because you could have, again, all the other tools. Imagine having all the, a tool chest. You could do anything with your tool chest. You have all the money in the world, all the resources. But you don't have self-confidence. Tell me how much is that, is that person going to accomplish. On the other hand, the person could have less resources and less money, but they have self-confidence and malchus dekait, a sense of, I'm a melech or a malka, they can change the world. Now, obviously you have both, that's the key, is to have all the nine spheres, including obviously the, the other midas, and malchus, which is also, which brings me to what I want to talk about now, a little more about malchus, different aspects to it, but since we're in the three weeks and going into the nine days, so it's interesting, of all the things, talking about Malchus, why is it nine days, not ten? We all know that ten is the Mispar Sholem. Nine days, Tisha B'Av is nine days. So, Apidarizah says, because the Churm Beis Amigdash represents Malchus, because the Beis Amigdash is the interface. The Mamutza, between godliness and the world. And what with the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash is that Mamutza was somewhat severed, or at least concealed. That's how the Beis Hamikdash is destroyed. What is that in Sfiris? Malchus. Malchus is the Mamutza between Atzilus and Biyah, and the truth is between all elements. The Malchus is always the bridge. Malchus of the higher world becomes the Keser of a lower world. Klal. Malchus of Atzilus, Keser of Bria. Malchus of Bria comes Keser of of Yitzira. Malchus of Yitzir, the Keser of Asiyah. And going all the way up, Malchus of Ak comes the Keser to uh, Akudim or Tatsilis. And ultimately, Malchus of Einsof, Lifniat Simpson, the Esosphere of becomes the beginning of Reishi Sakav, the Keser, Kloli, of Ak and Stalshlis. That's in uh, Kabbalistic and Chassidic language. What does it mean practically? It's the interface. So when the Beis Amidus was destroyed, it wasn't Chesed Gvura. Even though I'm sure Chastishal Kosh and was all impacted, but the bottom line was the Malchus part, the manifestation on the Eretz Alazuah Tachtena, and Eretz is also Malchus. That was, they say, Shemaim Kisiva Eretz Adem Ragli. So that was uh, concealed. That's what Darizal says. As a matter of fact, if I recall correctly, in the famous Maimer of Nachamu Eter, from the Rebbe Rashab, the Rebbe Chod Chazer quite often and mentioned it. So he talks there, he asks the question about Chamisha Asr Ba'av, why Loi Hoi Yom Tevim Yisrael Ki Chamisha Asr Ba'av Yikiyem Akipurim. 
So Yom Kippur Mela, everyone understands, it's the holiest day of the year. Yom HaKodesh, Chilas Lichav Kapora, etc., etc. But it's So, and then he asked the question that is out, he quotes there from that is out, that if it's Mitzat Kaim Asir Musa, which is when you learn the pastors, that's what it is. The moon is full. Every month you have the 15th of the month. What's unique? So he says the Lushen that just as in Tishabov was a Yeride Ploi Ployis. I think that's the Lushen, something like that. It was an awesome Yeride in Malchus. Malchus, the Pagam was in Malchus, of all places. And Malchus is the Levona. So the Fiera Chayiride is the Aliyah. So since the Yeride was so intense, and Tishabov, and the other negative events that happened. So the Aliyah that comes after that is not like Pesach, which is also the 15th of the month. Or Purim is the 15th of the month. Sukkot is the 15th of the month. But by Chamisha Asabav, you have the Aliyah, so it's an Aliyah play place as well, an awesome Aliyah in the Levana, in Malchus, Yisrael Dem Levana. Because the Levana is that level, that's like the Mamutsa between the Shemesh, Shemogan Hashem Alekim, and the lower worlds. So Chemish Asabov is like the Tikkun, and therefore the Aliyah is such a high level, that's why Yom Tevim Disro. But Rebbe has a whole, has a number of Sikhs where he explains and reconciles that, because when you look in the Sugi and Tainus, he doesn't mention that, obviously. There he talks about Nigla Dika reasons why Chemish Asabov, the end in Tainus, gives a whole bunch of reasons that happened on this day. So the Rebbe explains that all those reasons are ultimately connected to Ahdus, and Ahdus again is the Tikkun of Malchus. Not going to that in detail, it's not so relevant to our discussion. What's relevant is that if you really want to identify the three weeks and the nine days, and someone say, what's the real tragedy? So yeah, we well, you know there's the five things that happen on Shavasabatam, there's the five things the Mishnah says happen on Tishabab. But what does it come down to us? How does it affect us today? That the, that connection that creates that Atzalem Alekim has Malchus Dikait and the dignity because it's a channel and a reflection of Elokus in this world, that was concealed. Similar to the Chet Eitz What do we know about the Chet Eitz That before they ate from the tree of knowledge of the Tevera, so Adam and Chava were completely aligned and their mind and consciousness and being was aligned with the what happened when they ate from the Eitz Adas? There was a disconnect, what we call dissonance. That's why the Ebishter says to Adam, Ayeko, as the Alter Rebbe teaches. What means Ayeko? Where are you? He didn't know where he was. Didn't recognize him. What happened to you? You've wandered away from your own uh, destiny. You betrayed yourself. You were meant to be aligned to what I want from you, and you've gone and done something on your own. So you didn't recognize, like when you sit near someone, even though they're physically right near you, and you say, where are you? You know where they are physically, but their mind and their heart, you feel they're not with you. You ever hear? They're not present. So Odomarishan wasn't present, so they just said, Ayeko. That's why it says that, in Sforim it says, that, that an animal will never attack a human being. Because an animal recognizes the Tzalavala Kim. So of course, the obvious Klotzkasha, why do we see the animals attacking people? And the answer is because they don't see the Tzalem Alekim. It was concealed. So, so um, Daniel gave Hayarayas in the lion's den. He was a Novi. He was a Tzaddik. So the, the lions didn't touch him. Why? Now it's not a miracle because they saw Tzalem Alekim. And the, uh, the animals recognized something that's godly. 
But the rest of us, it gets concealed. It's like you can have a beautiful face, but then a shadow covers your face. Either you're depressed or whatever it may be. So you don't see the glow. You don't see the chokhmah sadam ter panav. In this case, it's Elam Elikim. This is all means that Malchus has been concealed. Your Malchus dikait. Doesn't mean you don't have chesed, gvurit, tefez. That could be shining very nicely. But the Malchus has been affected. So that's the churm beis amigdash in Aveda and personal. So obviously, rebuilding Malchus is the key to rebuilding the beis amigdash. That's why Mashiach is what? What do we call Mashiach? Melech Mashiach. Why, why Dafka Melech? He could be a Rav. We know he's also a Rav. And he has other Milas. Melech is also a Mashiach. He has other Menasa, Gov, Ma'id. Talk about Mashiach being a Chochem. Talking about Mashiach being a Baal Chesed, about, about uh, all the Milas. But yet, Melech Mashiach, Malchus, coming from Beis David, because Malchus is the key to the Chibur between Elokus and Velt. And even though I did explain that Chesed, Gvura, Teferes, everything is a part of the Mamutza. Because that's why the Abish to create Sviris in general and Atzilas Bechlal, to be an interface. But in the interface itself, Malchus is the ultimate connection because without Malchus, all the nine Sviris can go into Biyah. It's as simple as that. In the language, in the, if you talk about Malchus as being the Nikeva, the Makabal, the wife, Shechina, and Zah is Kuchabricha, the Zachar, the Chosen, Chosen Kala, like we say in the Maimer, the Chodedi, the Maimer, the Chosen Maimer. So without Malchus, no child is being born. You could have all the Milas, you could have Chesed, Gurat, Tefaz, you could have all the nine spheres, but if out of the mother, without a womb, without, there will not be a conception and will not be the birth of a child. It's as simple as that. In Agar Sakeja Simachov, the Altarebbe puts it that Malchus is Oretz. You can have a seed with all its qualities. If you don't have an earth, Poshet Begashmi is earth. What are you going to do with the seed? Seed will not grow on a, on a table. And it won't grow in heaven. brings. It has to be in Dafkin Lamata. You have to plant it and sow it and, uh, and then plow the earth. And all that is necessary to give birth. So if you want the birth of something new, you have to have Malchus. So I'm bringing together many different things that you learn different my modern, but collecting it all in the context that we're discussing. So I can't overstate the importance of it, but and obviously, again, we're talking about Malchus. That doesn't take away from the Milas of other spheres, but in the context of what I was saying in all these shiurim, that you want to understand the spheres, not just what they are, but also their importance in the state of the That's why Malchus always plays this role. It's the interface between the higher and the lower, the mamutza, amachabah. And the context of human beings, yeah, it's Melech HaMashiach, it's Moshe Vahibashur and Melech, Moshe Rabbeinu as Melech, or any of the other um, levels that you see a Melech, what's the role of a Melech? So this brings me to Mitzvah Minei Melech, one of the fundamental mitzvahs in Derech Mitzvah that he explains. It's based on my modem of the Alter Rebbe, of course. It's a moment that most of us have probably learned. It's one of my modem you learned early on in Yeshiva. And there exactly talks about what's going to this point, if you think about it. He has the difference between Shol HaMelech and Dover HaMelech. And Shol is Bina, Dover is real Malchus. You know, the question about Shmuel HaNovi, when the Eden came to Manast um, for a Melech, so he, he was angry. He was upset. What do you need a melech? You have the Ebishter. Melech, malchem, lachem, baruch. You need another king. Until the Eden insisted. So he turned to the Ebishter. 
And then Abraham said, they want a king, appoint a king. So he first appointed Shaul, and ultimately David became the Melech. From then on, Malchus based David. From based David. So of course, the obvious cause kasha that he asks there is what's going on here? It's a mitzvah in the Teda. Same tasim alach a Melech. To appoint a Melech. Why was, uh, that, why was Shmuel upset? They didn't were asking to perform a mitzvah. The three mitzvahs, when you enter it's Yisrael, is uh, Melech, appointing a king, it's one of the mitzvahs. So the answer, briefly, is because Mashmuel knew, of course he knew it's a mitzvah, but he saw the Indians were not interested in the mitzvah, they were interested more in the, the ego of it, like a nationalistic thing, just like other countries have a king, like a type of uh, symbol of pride, they also want a king. The real reason is a mitzvah to have a king, because how good for kash, what do you need a king for? There's a neighbor's because the king, Kolinyan, is bittel. Malchus is bittel. And he's a dug what bittel is. So through his bittel, he teaches us bittel. So it's really just really helping us connect to Malach Malcham Lachem HaKadosh Baruch Not because the king is so great. Or to put it in different terms, it's not what the king has, it's what he doesn't have. It's not ego, it's not power, it's not control, it's not money, it's not a palace and thousands of uh, ministers and servants. It's his total bittel. Im Shavisim Damamti, what he says about, um, about uh, Dovid Amelech speaks about himself. As he explains in that mind that he was utter bitl. So here's the interesting paradox. On one hand, Amelech, you think, and Amelech, we know the halachis, that uh, you have to listen to a king. A king has complete power, absolute power. And even if he's corrupt, he has power. And yet, at the same time, you say, So how do you explain the two? The answer is, as I discussed, I think, last week as well, that's like with Moshe Rabbeinu. An onov doesn't mean he doesn't have milas. It means, however, his milas are not his own. They come from the Ebersh. And if someone else had that, Moshe felt they would have done better. So Malchus's power lies actually not in its own power because it's bitl to great power. So the more bottle it is, the more it channels el that's really what it comes down. When you talk about chesed, gurit, teferes, the other spheres, they're defined by what they are, not by what they're not. Chesed, they all have bitl, but chesed is chesed. Chesed it means the identity of being mashpia, and being kind, and being loving, and gemilas chasodim, and everything that chesed represents. Same thing with gurit, the kreyachat simtsum, whatever it may be. Even hoid, which is also hidah, bitl, but it also is Hayid Vahadar, and we spoke about that as well. Malchus is less Lamagar Malklun from the Zaya, like the moon, has no light of its own. And yet it has everything because of that. Because it's not getting in the way. When you reflect transparently something else, you, you reflect all of it. To put it in the language of, uh, of Nigla and in Aveda, I did the Torah Lemivla Le Polit. If you're in a state of, um, of uh, polit, of exuding, you can't absorb. In other words, if you have an identity and you're speaking, you can't be listening. You can't absorb. But either the Torah Lamivla, when you're in a state of Havla, which means Zibliya, absorbing, your state of Bittl that you're absorbing, lay polit, you won't be communicating them, you're just listening. Malchus is the utter macabre, like a sponge, like a sponge that just absorbs. 
So it's the tachlis of bitl in that sense. Levon, of course, is a perfect example because Levon has no light of its own. All it is is reflecting another. But because of that, which is greater? Something that has a lot of power of its own or something that reflects something that has a lot of power? Because at the end of the day, when you have an identity, let's say you're a very smart person or you're a very giving person, that's beautiful. But at the end of the day, it's only as strong as you are. But if you have bitl, you could have, you can reflect something that's greater than you are. On the language that we use, that when you're bottled to Ein Sof, you become an extension of Ein Sof. You can never be Ein Sof on your own because we're all Gvul. But bitl is the only way that you can channel something that's more than you are. So Malchus has this dual quality. On one hand, it doesn't have any identity of its own. And precisely because of that, it can channel everything. Like a, like a mashpach. You can channel anything because it doesn't get in the way. And that's its real ultimate power. And that's why Davka Dover HaMelech. Melech, because he's the utter bitl. And that's what Shmuel HaNavi wanted from the Eden. That they should want a Melech for that reason. Not because a Melech is proud of a Melech because he looks good and he's a lot of pomp and circumstance and he's wealthy and he has a whole uh, kingdom. But because the opposite, because of his lack of sense of self, and therefore he can channel, which is essentially how we describe what a Rebbe is and what a, a, a Moshe Rabbeinu is. I mean, the essential essence of Bittl that channels something that's greater than itself. So that explains a big aspect of Melech. I want to now go over to another point. And to be very honest, it always bothered me, it still does, because to remember we live in a world today where the concept of a Melech and Malchus is so foreign because, as a matter of fact, we only have negative attitudes. As you probably know, in the United States, when George Washington became president, the first president, they wanted to call him King George, like, like it was in Great Britain, where they originated from. And he refused, because that's the whole point of this country, it was established there shouldn't be a person called a king, because kings were abusers of power. That's what people saw. Doesn't mean every king abused power, but he could abuse power. So no one ever received that type of power. This country is a people, it's a country, as they say, for the people, elected by the people. There's no one individual that has absolute power over anybody. Now, this is a chiddush, because it wasn't that way before the United States was established. If you go into history, everything was ruled by monarchs, by kings, by czars, by emperors, whatever you want to call them. So you didn't have um, this, this type of picture altogether. So over time, the idea of a king is actually looked up very frowned upon. Even today, you talk about a king or a queen in England, it's also a joke. I mean, yes, there's some type of uh, symbolism, etc. but no one looks at them as, as, as serious people. And as a matter of fact, you see all the scandals and so on. So it's not exactly representative. So suddenly, when you look in the Chassidus and it talks about Melech, 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 Melech Chayvakayim, Kabolos HaMalchus, Tamnechuni Aleichem, Rosh Hashanah, how many times do we say Melech? Malchus, Zechrein, Shefris, Malchus. So initially, when you think about it, I mean, I don't know about yourself, I always seem to me always like strange because it's not something that you find common among us. And yet Chassidus makes such a big thing about Melech. It says that when Chassidim, when the Tsar fell by the Russian Revolution, which was in, uh, was it Tafresh, Ayin, uh, when was the Russian, Ayin Vov, Ayin Zayin, something like that. Um, so Chassidim cried. Why? Because they said we lost a Moshul in Chassidus. Because the Tsar was the last king that, uh, that there was a king after that, the Bolsheviks, even though they abused power even more than the Tsar did, 
but they didn't call themselves kings. So they, so they felt they lost emotional sin, even though the czar very often was a Russia and Marusha, and a Tzayr Yisrael, etc., etc. And yet, it was a Moshul, because the king had such absolute power, it was a Moshul, for Melech Malchem Lachem, because Malchus the Arika and Malchus the Rekia. The Malchus below is a dogma for Malchus above. So they cried. I mean, I don't know if this joke would be popular today, but today they say that when Putin came into power, so Chassidim laughed because they got their marshal back. Um, whether that's a, 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 a positive thing or not is another story. I won't go into that, you know. I don't want to jeopardize things in Russia right now. <coughs> not that anyone's listening there, but maybe they are, who knows. Listen, maybe Putin likes the Shiri Chassidim, who knows? Yeah, I can't know. It's all online today. If he's listening, I uh, welcome you to the party. Um, so bottom line is, the point, uh, the point is that we don't have really an example of it. Uh, and um, when we do find an example of such absolute power, we usually identify it with what they say, absolute power also cor absolutely corrupts. You give anyone such type of power where they don't have to answer to anyone, it usually does not going to bode well as we see in history, especially in the last, especially throughout the centuries, which is why exactly why we don't point kings anymore and there's no such thing as anymore with such power. Now, are there people that want to have such power? Possibly, but generally, so it, it's a challenge when you start learning chassidus, the concept of malchus, because you have to get rid of the negative, uh, the negative implications and the negative associations to melech. And I'm, I'm just speaking, I don't know if it's called chatos animaske, but I, I always had this problem and every time I saw Chassidus Malchus, to me it was always the negative aspects that I was associated with. So it's a stereotype you have to get rid of. Chassidus obviously in Teda is not going to change because when it's not popular. You know, Chassidus is talking about the true Melech. You're talking about Melech HaMashiach. You're talking about Vahibashudan Melech. So... Why am I saying it? Because when you learn the Maimorim, it's very important to keep this in mind. We're not talking about a Melech that we have seen in history that just is corrupt or uses absolute power in ways that are completely unethical. We're talking about a Melech that's complete bittel and his complete dedication is the Ebishter, and that's that. Not someone who corrupted. Look, you go through Tanakh, the Malchi Yisrael, the Malchi Yehuda, many of them were quite uh, far from being role models. They were, they were, some of them were terrible. However you explain it, but the bottom line is that we didn't, even in Jewish history, it's not always a perfect story. So this brings me to what exactly does it mean, Tam Lechuni Aleichem, then? And why is Malchus such a critical element? You say, Ein Melech Bleyam, and they were Macht the Melech, and that the Rotzen Anoem Lech. So, when you learn Chassidus about that concept, what you learn is this, is that when the Ebeshter had a Rotzel Meluche, that itself needs to be explained. What does that mean? He wants to be a king. The Ebeshter has no other thing that he needs right now is to be a king over people. That's his pleasure, to be what, to rule, that people listen to him. I mean, it sounds a little odd. If you had to explain that to someone, so what, Ebeshter was all alone, Hayahu B'Shemay and he decided, I mean, I'm, not, I'm using a little grub language one day, that I want to be a king. When you really think about it, it sounds like a guy that's lonely, 
It has nothing to do with himself. So he suddenly wants to lead other people. He wants people to listen to him. So obviously that's not the, the right way to explain it. So what Chassidus does explain that it's connected to the expression we're more accustomed to and more relate to. That's essentially another way of saying to be a melech ala am. Am is a am hanifred. You can't be a melech on your own children or on anything that is close to you, on your brothers or sisters. And you can't be a melech al zvuvim, is also expression of chassidus. A melech on flies, because they're not be'erech. So what is a, a melech? Is on a am, am aloshin emimus, as the Alter Rebbe brings in Shari Yechid They're a separate entity, but they choose. Not memshala, you're not moishal aleim, but melech aleim. That means that they choose at their own volition, their own rotsen, to be your, to be, to, that you be their melech. Which in different words is that you create tachtenim that are not elyenim. Elyenim was the Maikamashma. Like he says in, um, in, uh, in Perik Lamed Vav in Tanya. That did be tachtenim. Hayel lehem yiridim e'er ponaviz barach. The elem is elyenim. There are Yeridim air Ponaviz Barak. What's the Uftu that an Atsilis is bottled Talakus? Atsilis has a choice. There is no, and on the contrary, whatever Bitl Atsilis has, Ak has a higher Bitl, and Ere Sofim Fnat Simpson is even more bottled. So what's the Uftu? What do you need it for? The Tachtenim is the exact opposite. It's not Mitzad Der Giluyim, it's Mitzad Helam. And Dafke there Nesava. Now, why Nesava? As we know, Taivin is stuck in Kasha. Because it's Lamailam is Seichel, because the Ebishter didn't create Seichel yet. The Taiva precedes the Seichel, meaning the Ebishter first desires this. So there's no why. But that's the Kavonis Habriya, the ultimate Kavon. There's the other time Habriya that we learn about, the Galashlemus Kechesov, Begin Dishtamudim Bey, Yakiruk Dulose. There's the different Maimorim in Samachvov in the beginning, and Tavshim Beis, and the Rebbe's famous Sicha in Shmois and Chelegvov. Discusses that. But the ultimate tachlis amitis, the tachlis abriya, the tamamiti, as Siddhis calls it, is the In different words, which are a little harder to, to relate to because we don't relate to the concept of melech, but that's what a melech blayam means. Now, we also know a melech blayam, the Abishtah can't exist without an am. So it's interesting, in some Maimorim, the Rebbe brings it, I think, in Rosh Hashanah Tavshin Yudzayan. That sometimes says, in Malach Blayam, you could also read in Melech Blayam. In, in Aramaic, is yes. Ein Melech Blayam, he's not a Melech without a nation. In Melech Blayam, he is a Melech without a Am. Because obviously, there are levels that are higher than the Rots and the Melucha. And there, Befeidus, there could be a Melech without a Am. What Chassidus calls Remus Atzmis. He doesn't need another to be a melech. But that's not the kavanah. The kavanah was befated, it should be tachtenim. And the tachtenim berotz neshalahem. So if you talk about that in that context, Rosh Hashanah, Rosh Hashanah essentially is that, that every year the whole world goes in a stalkus, goes into like a, a comatose state. The lakus and the contract, like the Alter Rebbe brings in the Gerasakedah, Simeon so what's the pshat? That achrishona, reishis is chaser aleph. Why? Because at the end of the year, the chayes aliki that God has, uh, allocated for the previous year is nostalgic, is concealed, and you need to renew the contract. 
So the world needs to be renewed. And that's through the Tfilis and the Tkir Shefer. What does that mean? That it's not just automatic, that there's a relationship here. A relationship between a Melech and Am. Or between, if you wish, Yizbaruch and Tachtenim. Atzmus and Tachtenim. So essentially, Kabbalah Samalchus really is us, Tachtenim, or Neshamas Begufim in this world called Tachtenim, um, accepting and saying we want a relationship. And that is the key to Kabbalah Samalchus. So it's not God has a desire to be a king. He has a desire for Dirabit Tachtenim, which in different words is the Midas Hamalchus. Because Malchus, when you talk about Chesed, Gura Teferes, as Chesedus explains, there you can have chesed to, uh, to a wife, to a husband. You could have chesed to your children. You have chesed to your parents. You have chesed to You have people that are equivalent to you. Malchus requires nefrodim. Malchus requires something that's a dover zor. Something that's not a part of your family, a part of extension of yourself. So Malchus is the sphere of all the spheres that, as I said earlier, that connects us to a reality that's outside of ourselves. Which explains why Malchus is the last Svita and the beginning of the next world. That's its role. Its role is to be a connector between two realities, between two paradigms, if you wish. The paradigm of what's Alamayla and the paradigm that comes Lamata. So in the language that Chassidu says, that you call Malchus and I said, Shmei Malchus Alov. You say someone's a Melech, so Chassidu says there's a, there's a paradox here too. What do you know about if I say you Dovid HaMelech? If I didn't tell you anything about this man, Dovid, he, all you know is that he's a king. And then he had a son called Shlema HaMelech, who in turn also had sons. You know nothing about, when you say someone's a Melech, you know nothing about them. You don't know if they're a Chochem, if they're a Baal Chesed, if they're a Baal Gvura. When you say the other Sfiris, the Sfiris identify who you are. But if I said you, you are appointed, you're a king, all you know is that you have authority, that you have power. But you know nothing about the entity. As I explained before, because Malchus Malklum, it doesn't have an identity. Its whole identity is Bittal. So the concept of Malchus on one hand is a Helen, because it's not Megala, anything about you. Now we know that Shleiman Melech was Chochem But that's an additional element, that this Melech, like he explains in the Minei Melech, the Tzemach Tzedek, that Malchus of uh, Shlema was Chochmish Malchus. So of course a Melech has Chochmen, he has Bina and Das. That's all the spheres within Malchus. Chesed Sheba Malchus. A Melech does Chesed to his people. He has Gvur Din. But the Malchus itself, the word Melech, is a Helen. Leslam Malchum, it's a Helen. On the other hand, without it, you don't have leadership. Let's say Dovna Melech had all nine qualities of the nine spheres, but he doesn't have Malchus. You don't have a leader. You don't have something that's going to be mamshed the nine spheres into the next world called biyat. So Malchus becomes this bridge in that sense. On one hand, it's a helm of all the giluim above it. In other words, the spheres are concealed within it. In the language of Chesidus Naim Beis in Chelit Beis in the beginning, he talks about this at length. That Malchus is like a, it doesn't say mashpech. I'm just trying to think what word he uses. He uses a word, it's like a matter, like a mirror. It reflects all the spheres above it, and it channels them into the next world. So it's an interesting uh, twist, because on one hand, Malchus doesn't have anything of its own. On the other hand, it channels everything. So that's why Malchus becomes Keser of Bria. And what does Keser include? Everything that comes from Keser. 
So the Chochmah Bina Das, all the way through Malchus Abriya, all coming from Asilas, needs Malchus to be the channel that connects the two. Take away Malchus, and it's two separate worlds. It's like having two, two worlds without a, uh, a bridge between them, between a steps or a ladder between them. So that's why you'll find in many, many Maimonim, if you learn, if ever you learn about Malchus, think about it, you'll see Maimonim constantly talk about Malchus being this, this bridge. Because again, it's the connection between the two realities. So, so just to sum up again, all the Svidas and Natsilas Bechlal are a mamutza between godliness and existence. That's a given. The question is, what role does this mamutza play? The role, for example, of Chesed is to be, be is to be mashpia, elokus, into makablin, into kalim. The role of Chochmah, interestingly, has something similar to Malchus, because Chochmah is the bridge between Keset, the superconscious, Keset, Ayin, Chochmah, Ayin, Timotzah, and the Giluim of Sviris. But Chochmah is not, is one of the Sviris. Malchus is the actual bridge between two paradigms, two realities. I mentioned before a mother that's giving birth to a child. A new child is a new reality. That's like Bria. Who gives birth to a child? Malchus. Malchus is like Me'imai. And that's the bridge between Zah, the Zacha, the Chasen, and all the Sphiris, and Bria, or Bia in general. So that's another aspect where you have both elements of Malchus. I'll just say one more point, and I think, I can't say I covered it all, there's plenty to cover, but maybe I'll do one more part about it next week. But wanted to add uh, about Malchus one more thing, and that is that um, uh, that Malchus exists in every world, like I said. This we're talking about Silas Tabriya. So I mentioned before Malchus of Ainsof. So especially in, in the Chassidus of the Alter Rebbe for sure, but the Rebbe Rashab especially talks a lot about Malchus of Ainsof, as does the Mitle Rebbe. And Malchus of Ainsof is the lowest of the ten hidden spheres, living at Simpson. So there, whenever you find, we talked about Atzilus the Klolus, Atzilus the Protis, you may recall. So whenever you find an Atzilus the Protis in the microcosm, you also find an Atzilus the Klolus, which is in the macrocosm, as it is, living at Simpson. So Malchus of Ainsof plays exactly the same role. In the language of Chassidus, what's the role of Malchus of Ainsof? So it brings the famous expression from the Migdash Melech in Zayar, Daf Tezvov Chelek Aleph, Zayar Chelek Aleph, Bereish Chumanisid the Malko, Malko, Golid Galifu Betiri Elah, Putsinid the Kardinisa, as he goes on there to say. So Bereish Chumanisa, there's two Pirushim. Chumanisa either means Rishus or Rotsin Hamelech. So Bereish, in the beginning when the king arose, Ola Beretzeinei, that he wants to have existence and be a melech, I know, emlech, or the reshus of the melech to be a melech, to be a king, the king. So what happened? Golov galifu, golov means chakike, chokik chakike. He engraved, doesn't mean physically, obviously, it means conceptually. He envisioned existence. And the language of Chesidus brings from the Mikdashmel, shir atzmei bikeach. He envisioned and allocated resources in a potential state of what he would need. Think of like an artist, once it arises in his desire that he wants to create a piece of art, so before he creates the art, he envisions what is it gonna look like? And then he prepares the resources needed 
to, to shape it. This is what we call the level of the ten hidden spheres. So the first time Malchus is, well, I'd say the first time, the highest level Malchus is referred to is the Malchus of Ein Sof. But there's interesting, it talks about the Ratzon the Malucha, there's Kedem Aleisa Ratzon. So you see that the stages of how Malchus becomes an entity originates even before the Simpson. Now we all know that before the Simpson there's no spheres. It's only conceptual, meaning it's the way the Abish is envisioning the spheres, so to speak, as he explains in Ayin Beis and other places. So Malchus of Ainsof, in other words, has the same role. However, there it's an Ainsof. In Atsilis, it's a really a real spiritual entity, a spiritual entity. It's not physical. But that's the distinction. I just wanted to add that key point because that's a tremendous sugi and as well, Malchus of Ainsof and its role. And once Malchus of Ainsof envisions it, then the next step would be the Tzimtzum, with Abish that conceals the Eir, Abligvul, and only leaves the Tzimtzum and the Rishimu. And then with Mamshik Vikav, which comes from Malchus of Ainsof, that's the language to the springs. So in other words, it originates from Malchus of Ainsof because the artist is now beginning to paint the art on the canvas. Where is he getting what he's painting? He's getting it from the vision that he had before the Tzimtzum, so to speak. And that begins the whole Seder of Stashlis from there. So that's how Malchus Ainsof plays its role. And everything that we talked about, Malchus applies there as well, except obviously much more Dakas Dika levels, much more sublime and subtle levels. So there's a few more things I want to talk about Malchus, which I'll do next year. And with that, we'll uh, stop here. Okay, everyone have a good day.